The mercy seat is translated in the Greek as hilosmas, and it means to appease, it means to cover. In the Hebrew, it's kafar, again, to cover, to make atonement. And Jesus has now become that covering of mercy for us. Just like the mercy seat was for the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, now Jesus has become that covering for our sins. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Exodus chapter 25, looking at chapters 25 and 26 tonight as we continue our study through the book of Exodus. Exodus 25 and 26, got to get a, a good look at the building of the Ark of the Covenant, the sanctuary, the tabernacle of the Lord. And uh, we'll do so as we continue through this. It's not merely contained in two chapters. It goes further than that. So let's go ahead and open in prayer. and We'll get into the teaching of God's Word. Father, we thank you for this night to come together to worship you. We thank you, Father, for those who may be at this hour listening to us on our radio ministry, also, Lord, those who are taking advantage of the video, whether through our website or through social media, I pray, Father, your blessing upon the teaching of your word, whether people have gathered here or they're in their homes or in their cars, wherever they might be. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over us each. Bless, Lord, the teaching of your word. Give us understanding that things we perhaps have not seen before Also, Lord, increase our love for you and our love for Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Exodus 25, the building of the sanctuary as Moses is there on Mount Sinai, waiting upon the Lord and the Lord revealing to him this massive work that he is calling the children of Israel to do to construct a tabernacle, a place of worship for the children of Israel, but also a place where God's Spirit might dwell among them, that he would be in the midst of their camp. And so Moses is on the mountain with the Lord, receiving from the Lord, and not only the Ten Commandments, but instructions on building the tabernacle. And we begin in verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. And so we begin with God preparing 
the children of Israel to bring a free will offering to the Lord and very specific about the offering itself. As we just summarizing verses three through seven, God gave Moses specific materials that he was to collect from the children of Israel. That is of precious metals like gold, silver, and bronze, threads of blue, purple, and scarlet, fine linens, goat hair, ram skin dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the lights, spices for the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones that were to be set in the ephod, and the breastplate of the high priest's attire. And all these were to be given as a freewill offering to the Lord. In verse 2, he continues, he says, From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. So an offering given to the Lord that was to be given freely from the people, willingly with his heart. And they were, verses 8 and 9, to make a sanctuary. And God said that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings. Just so you shall make it. So as God revealed to Moses there on the mountain, he was to take the plans and not only receive this offering, but construct the tabernacle as designed by the Lord. And this was important because the tabernacle itself was a copy and a shadow of heavenly things, according to Hebrews 8, 5. So the earthly tabernacle and the earthly temple that would come later gives us a sense of the real holy place and the holy of holies there in heaven in Hebrews 8, 5, a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Therefore, the Lord was using these earthly things to teach Israel about heavenly things. And more importantly, God desired to dwell among the people in a place that would be most holy to the nation of Israel. And his presence, as we will learn when they set the camp up, we'll discover that the tabernacle itself was to be at the center of the camp. The 12 tribes of Israel would be arranged around it in a specific order, always in the same order. And their tent doors were always to face inward toward the tabernacle. When they get up in the morning and get out of their tents, they would look over and see the Shekinah glory or the fire by night and the cloud by day hovering there over the tabernacle. His very presence, the very presence of God at the center of their camp and hopefully at the center of their hearts. And that was the desire of the Lord, that he would be at the center of our hearts. And one day the Lord will tabernacle himself among us not on this earth, but in Revelation 21, 3, it says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And this is the creating of the new heaven and a new earth. The tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, what stands out is the free will offering that Moses was instructed to ask, very specific offering, 
but instructed by God to ask the children of Israel that they were to freely give to the Lord and it was to be from their hearts. It reminds us of 2 Corinthians 8, 12 that says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what he has, not according to what he does not have. A willing mind. And Paul specifically talking about a collection that the Gentile churches were taking up that they might, through Paul and the other apostles, send it to Jerusalem. And the church there in Jerusalem that was struggling greatly at that time. But Paul said, at first, a willing mind. And it had to be with what one has, not according to what one does not have. So if you're not a millionaire, don't pledge a million dollars. It's not going to work. But what comes to mind within your provisions that the Lord has given you, giving a percentage back to the Lord. And to do so, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one should purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this cheerful giver here is the word that we get hilarious from, from the Greek word, we derive hilarious from it, but it does not quite mean the same thing we think about when we think about hilarious. It does denote being happy or glad, but a cheerful state of mind and not one who is overcome with laughter or mirth or drunkenness, but one who is just has this great cheer because of their service to the Lord. So Malachi 3.10, speaking about the offering, God says, Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The only time in all of the scripture that God challenges us to test him we are often being tested by this life and by Satan, by God himself. But one time God says, try me in this. It's about our giving. And here in Malachi 3.10, it's a matter of bringing the tithes in. In Exodus 25, it's a free will offering that's being received for the Lord. But to do it willingly. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago about a church buying property when I was a kid, our church at First Baptist Church in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois, that uh, they bought new property, they're building a building, and my mom and dad had these five little vials of dirt. I believe they paid 50 to $100 a vial uh, to help buy the land that they would build the building on that still stands there to this day. And uh, they kept those. I'm sure they did it hilariously in this sense of the Greek word with glad hearts to bring an offering to the Lord. All they got out of that offering was some dirt, but it was soil that was dedicated to God and has since been serving the community there in Winthrop Harbor for all those years since. So the Ark of the Covenant, verses 10 through 22 Verses 10 and 11, it says, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood, 
Two and a half cubits shall be its length. A cubic and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And shall overlay it with gold inside and out, and you shall overlay it, and shall make on it a molding of gold all around. So we have a lot of reading. It's a lot of description of the building of the tabernacle. But I'm going to go ahead and just read what the Bible says and then make some commentary on it. Picking up in verse 12. And you shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side, two on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood Overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark, that the ark may be carried by them. The poles shall be in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark of the testimony, which I will give you, which we know later on would be the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, and a jar of manna. You shall make the mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits, shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherubim at one end, the other cherubim at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of the one piece of the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings and they shall face one another, and the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. So bowing down, looking at the mercy seat with their wings extended toward each other, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you, and there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give to you in commandment to the children of Israel. So cherubim are a class of angels that we always find around the throne of God. So it's not strange to find that he would have these figures of two cherubim facing one another over the mercy seat from the place where God would meet the children of Israel. The first piece of furnishing that it's actually two pieces. It's a box, the Ark of the Covenant, a box that held the Ark, but it had no lid. The lid became what we know as the mercy seat that would cover the Ark of the Covenant. Both pieces were made of acacia wood and covered with pure gold. And the Ark was to hold the testimony, the two stone tablets that the Lord would give to Moses upon which were written the Ten Commandments. And the purpose of the mercy seat was to cover the ark with God's mercy, lest he would break out against the children of Israel because of any of the violation of the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the law. We have one incident when the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. And as it found its way back to Israel, and some of the children of Israel opened the ark. They removed the mercy seat, to, I think, just to make sure it contained what it was supposed to contain. But the Lord did break out upon the children of Israel. And there was some 70,000 that died as a result of that. God's judgment without God's mercy is certain death. But God's judgment that is covered by the mercy of God 
We find that there is forgiveness and peace. Hebrews 9, 3-5 says, And behind the second veil, in the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, or the holy of holies, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pots of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. So God began by detailing the most holy piece of furniture in the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark was holy because it contained the law of God. It was holy because it would be in the presence of God himself. So holy was the ark that it was never to be touched. And that's the poles. They would put four rings on either side, had the poles to carry it by. They would insert the poles. And once those poles went into the ark of the covenant, they were never to be removed. In fact, when Solomon built the temple, and they moved the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple. First Kings 8.8 8 tells us the poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside, and they are there to this day. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement once a year. The other priest who served in the holy place, where we'll learn of the table of showbread, the menorah, the altar of incense, the other priest who ministered daily in the holy place, well, they would see the poles sticking through the curtain, the veil between the holy of holies and the holy place. They'd know that the Ark of the Covenant was there. They would know that the presence of God was there, but they could not look in. The mercy seat is translated in the Greek as hilasmas, and it means to appease, it means to cover. In the Hebrew, it's kafar, again, to cover, to make atonement. And Jesus has now become that covering of mercy for us. Just like the mercy seat was for the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, now Jesus has become that covering for our sins as his work upon the cross, as we celebrated last Sunday his, and last weekend on Good Friday, uh, remembering his death, but on Sunday, remembering his glorious resurrection. So the Ark of the Covenant once a year had to be atoned for. The sins of Israel were atoned for once a year when the high priest entered in with the blood, Exodus 30, verse 10. On the Day of Atonement, he would sprinkle the blood seven times, once for his own sins, he would leave. He'd return again and sprinkle blood on the horns of the altar seven times for the sins of Israel to make atonement through all your generations. Now Jesus becoming that copy and that covering of mercy for us, he stands between the holy God and us. He is that hilasmas. He is that propitiation, according to 1 John 4.10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation, to be a covering for our sins. 
And it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that sinners may find mercy and forgiveness of their sins. Again, John wrote in 1 John 2, 2, for he himself is our propitiation, that covering. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. And by sending Jesus to be that propitiation, God has demonstrated his love and his righteousness, which says in Romans 3.25, whom God sent forth, talking about Jesus, whom God sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time, Romans 3.26, to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God did for us, as I said on Sunday, what we could not do for ourselves in offering his son Jesus upon the cross that we might attain mercy and come into fellowship with the Lord. So the place was holy because God made it holy. His presence was there. Let's go ahead and stand as I close. Here on Wednesday evenings, we've been accustomed to doing the ABCs of salvation, just a, a quick little method of sharing your faith with others, also helping them to understand the importance of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The A stands for admit. We are to admit to God that we are sinners. We are to ask for his forgiveness. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're to admit to God that we are sinners. We're also to believe, believe in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and receive that gift of salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The C is for confess, to confess your faith in Jesus Christ, to share your faith with others. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 13, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, and we ask, Lord, that you would be with us. We thank you for the teaching of your word. Let it be a nourishment to our souls. And the tabernacle itself, the temple, we find so much about it in Scripture. Rarely do we take the time to even look at the detail that was put into the construction of this. And we are going to spend some time learning about these details. Lord, you did this because... The work of the priest among the people of Israel was to be holy and set apart because they served you, our holy God. And I pray, Father, that we would realize to this day that we serve the living God. 
who is both the just and the justifier for those who come to faith through Jesus Christ. So we pray your blessing upon us this evening. Pray that you'd watch over and care for this church, for our families, for this nation, and for the world. And we know that you do. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you guys. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.